0: This is A Spoonie Full Podcast, chronically candid conversations, and I'm your host, Morgan Green. Hey, 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 welcome back beautiful people to another episode of A Spoonie So this week I am back with another pass the mic. Yay, who's excited? I hope you are. Um, this week's guest is Maha. Maha is a sarcoidosis and a fibromyalgia warrior. Um, I'm pretty familiar with sarcoidosis just because both my mom and grandmother have it, but I was really, really interested to talk to Maha about her fibromyalgia journey because she was the first person I've ever had a chance to sit down and chat with about what her illness entails and how it impacts her daily life. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, Gray. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Well,
1: good morning, (laughs)
0: Good morning for you. How are you?
1: I'm fine. I'm fine. It's uh, 5.30 where I am right now. And in about an hour, I will start a meditation, the meditation session. I'm in India. And I'm doing this uh, intensive, um, hat, traditional Hatha yoga, immersive type of uh, of training in ashram. So 2020 is the year of all, you know, the challenges for me.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I'm so, like, really thankful that you woke up extra, extra well, so I wake up... Um, at four to go to work, but not, I won't be waking up an extra 30 minutes early to do an interview. <laughs> no, really,
1: it's my pleasure, girl. I love what you're doing. I love your blog. I love your Instagram feed. And I feel very, very grateful that you reached out to me so I can share my story with you. So, really, thank you. It's yeah. really worth it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I'm really, really appreciative. I'm going to give people like a couple of minutes to log in and then we can no get started oh goodness. for sure for sure i
1: was like oh so how are you feeling because I, I saw on your on in your stories that you haven't been feeling that hot lately
0: Yeah. how are you well um yesterday i don't know what happened i just started to feel like the symptoms of like a migraine coming on and i came home and i laid down but i still you know woke up this morning still feeling kind of off um so I came home and I basically repeated and did the same thing and I like I'm one of those people with migraines like I have to be like basically a popsicle and it kind of helps me um mm. level out so I like turned off the heat in my house and made it as cold as possible
1: and, yeah.
0: <laughs> and that really kind of helped me um but then I just started hearing this ringing in my ears. I was like, am I having, like, a, a ear infection or something? So I'm not sure. I have doctor's appointments tomorrow, so.
1: Okay, good, good. Yeah, winter is kind of the worst season, right? When you're a kid, you like it, and then you get sick, you grow old, and you're like, I can do another winter Uh, that's why I'm in India right now
0: (laughs) I'd rather face
1: this intensive training than winter in Europe I'm done with that
0: really how is the winter there
1: Oh god like it's climate change everywhere right uh-huh. so it goes from okay today is very sunny and hot to today it's it's so cold you can't even get out of bed so it's really fluctuating like that in france uh, i live in france we had like um two type of i don't know big big storm coming in and out of uh, europe lately so yeah i'm good here I'm good here. I love it here. <laughs> Temperatures are always the same. It's never too hot, too too hot, never too cold. I'm good.
0: I'll have to check it out. I've never been, but
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should, you should. Well, uh, India people have a lot of ideas about India. But right now I'm in the, I'm in the south. So you would say like India is a real continent, right? Mm-hmm. It would be like the US or like Canada. So from one part to the other it's really different. And now I'm in the south and I really like it. It's really kind of in a way, untouched by either British uh, colonization or by the conflict they have uh, with their neighboring countries. So it's, it's really like chill and a lot of uh, nature. And um, yeah, so obviously people, they're not used to seeing black people here, but other than that, but they're very cool. Like they will look at you and they will smile and they will wave (laughs) and you'll be like, what's wrong with you? You people black too. (laughs) 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 What are you looking at me for? (laughs) That's I suppose it's it's kind of a different of black for them, whatever.
0: (sighs) Okay all right well i don't want to hold you up so let's get started thank everybody thank you everybody um for tuning in hi everyone um today we have with me maha maha is my first interviewee who actually does not have mg so this is going to be completely different so we'll all get to learn a lot um about her story and her journey so her interview is actually live on the blog Um, today I put it up and I forgot to send you the link to it but I'll send you the link so that you can send it out if you want to to your family family.
1: I would love to thank you Um,
0: but um yeah so let's get started let's see so you you were diagnosed at 28 which is kind of like the same age that around the same age that I was when I was first diagnosed So what were you feeling or how did you um, start noticing symptoms that led you up to your diagnosis?
1: So at the time I was living in uh, Brussels, I used to be a uh, political journalist specialized in the uh, geopolitics and geostrategy of the European Union. So I would travel a lot, right, uh, across Europe, across the world, from one plane to one uh, hotel room to one train and everywhere with AC or whatever. Um so I will always have this running nose, nose and a little bit of a cough. But I will think, like, you know, with my lifestyle and with the country I live in, because Brussels, well, it's Belgium, so it's raining all the time, and it's a very humid environment. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was that, like I was tired and blah, 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 Like I feel for a lot of chronic illnesses. At first, it's not like one day, it's boom, and you feel like something is wrong. It creeps out on you. Yeah. So... I was like, okay, whatever. And I went to see a doctor about three months in. Like this time I felt it was a bit different because I was also very tired. And the doctor was like, yeah, you have a a persistent cold and perhaps a little bit of allergy too. It was summertime. So I was like, okay, cool, no worries. I took the meds for a month. It was a one month treatment. And then after the month, I just kind of felt really, really, really bad. So I went to another doctor, one uh, that was close to where I was um, summering. And she told me the same thing. So I took the meds. Then I went back to Brussels and went back to my life. Although after the second month of treatment, I was feeling bad again, but I was like, you know, I don't have time for that. I worked really hard to get where I am. So I'm going to second up and I'm going to go to work. I love my job. I love the life I've built. I've built here and I worked so hard for it. So, you know, I kind of decided not to, to, to make it a big thing. Right. Until one fine morning, I could not get out of bed.
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah, I, woke, I went to bed tired, yes, but like any other night. And then the next morning, I couldn't get out of bed. So I was really scared. I didn't know what was happening. Like my whole body, nothing was responding. I was just laying down on my on my mat with my eyes open and with a thousand thoughts going through my mind. And I was like, what? And thank God, two hours later, I could I could move, and painfully I went to the toilet because yeah, it's morning. You want to pee, right? It's <laughs> the first thing you do. I <laughs> was so this, but I was I was I was going to just do it right there. <laughs> oh, damn, damn. <laughs> And then I don't know, with the help of the universe or whatever, I finally got the strength and courage to get out of bed and to get to the toilets. And then I kind of passed out. I woke up. I called a friend, asked her if she had a good doctor, because the, the first two ones is not that they weren't good. So now we're six months after the first uh, consult. It's just that I suppose with a lot of chronic illnesses, at first, the signals are so faint that you can't, you can't really see. Say it's something that is going to be a real problem down the line, right? right? So she told me, yeah, my doctor is great. I went to see him. It was like an hour and a half. It was on the other side of the border. So you have Belgium and on the other side of the border, you have France. So I, I crossed the border. I went to see him and the guy, he started asking me questions. Do you feel like this? Have you uh, lost weight? Is this blah, blah, blah? Is this blah, blah, blah? And at every answer, I answered yes. And the guy, become more and more white, like he lives in the north of France, so people don't have a lot of color there. (laughs) But the guy went, like, ah, as as white as a a sheet, and he was like, okay, you know what, you're going to spend the weekend, it was a Friday, "um, at your friend's place, and I'm going to put a rush on this, 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 and that test, and right now I'm calling, so he called, um, I'm calling so you can have a... um, uh, an appointment to get x-rays and uh, a CT scan or something. So we did that and on the Monday, I went back to see him and he was like, oh lady, when I first saw you, I thought you only had six months to live, but I'm very happy to see, well not very happy, but he told me, so right now you have pneumonia on both of your lungs So this is bad, I'm going to quarantine you, but the good news is that it's not, I like he had a whole kind of symptoms in his head, from cancer to whatever, another type of rare disease that you don't really uh, get better from. And then he was like, yeah, okay, so here's the uh, the treatment for now. But I do believe that there's something, that, that these are just symptoms, that the underlying condition is something else. So let's start with the pneumonia and give your body the rest it needs, but you're going to go back home and no one visits you because your immune system is, is corrupted at a level I've never seen before. So you stay home for now. And if you don't improve, perhaps we'll consider getting you in a serial room in hospital, because when you have a, a autoimmune disease, it's better for you to be home rather than at high hospital because there are less, well, supposedly less germs and bacteria at your home than in a hospital where people go to get better, right? So we did that, it did not really work the first two weeks. It was horrible. So then he put me on a um, like even stronger regiment of antibiotics. And then I started to, to make progress, but because it was uh, another disease and it was not pneumonia, um, we could only get real progress when I got diagnosed another four or six weeks later mm-hmm. of uh, sarcoidosis. Okay. So what is sarcoidosis, you asked? That's what I was about to say.
0: So I'm kind of familiar with sarcoidosis. My mom and my grandma both have it. But you can explain it for a few of our guests who don't know what it is
1: so well like you said your mom and your grandma have it so basically it's a disease that affects most uh, black women mm-hmm. uh, at the end of their 20s early 30s so i was right on time for that one <laughs> and uh it's a multi-systemic disease so usually it starts with your lungs but it can affect every part of your body and in my case it did like I had um, so you have granulomas which are uh, white cells that uh, stick together in your body and then they go and they party wherever they want in your body so I had them in my stomach I had them in my guts, uh, obviously in my lungs also in my neck but thank God uh, so far not in my heart and not in my brains because that's also a uh, place uh, where the disease likes to, to party. So, yeah, now it's been, um, so I was diagnosed in 2012, but I think I had it, like, for a year before that. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's been almost nine years I've been living with, uh, with this illness. And the thing is that, like a lot of chronic illnesses, it's just like you, you feel like you have a permanent cold. At some point, your, your body is so tired of attacking itself that you start developing other, uh, illnesses. And in my case, I developed also, uh, fibromyalgia. So fibromyalgia is when you have. Uh, when your body aches everywhere, but so much so that even sitting is complicated, even lying down on your on your bed hurts, so you don't know what to do with your body, and it's really maddening, so you're extremely tired, and your body aches all over, and everything from the clothes you're wearing to the mat uh, you're, you're, you're lying on, uh, everything hurts, like breathing hurts. So yeah, it's uh, unfortunately a chronic illness where uh, the death rate is going up, and mm-hmm. uh, everywhere in the world, but especially in the U.S. Uh, from what I read, and yeah, it's kind of maddening. And if you don't die from it, a lot of people, in the end, they just decide to take their own life because it's just too much. It's just too much. But thankfully, I live in France. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thankfully, I moved back to France at some point. I decided that um, I needed to, to to make my health my priority. Without that, you can't do anything. You can't sleep. You can't eat. Uh, you're just feeling like shit. And the only answer doctors have for you, although they are, like, really good doctors and specialized in your disease, the only thing they can offer for now is cortisone, prednisone. Mm-hmm. And you take that, but then after that you have to, to go to other meds that are even stronger and with side effects on your body that are just um, as devastating as the illness itself. Yeah. So um, at some point, I decided that I was going to. So I obviously with prednisone, you start to change your lifestyle too. So at some point, you you take out uh, sugary things, uh, salt from your diet. I had the lifestyle of an international journalist. So basically, my diet was uh, whatever uh, takeout menu I had at home, <laughs> whatever uh, hotel food I could uh, I could find. And and I love my scrambled eggs and my sausages and my bacon, right? And coffee—that would be my only meal of the day, breakfast. But uh, and then lots of cigarettes and lots of vodka tonics. So yeah. Change that, stop smoking, obviously, <laughs> I diminished alcohol a lot. <laughs> and I started cooking when I never cooked a day in my life before that. And in fact, I started cooking only last year and I could regain some type of, um, of energy because at the beginning I couldn't even talk, I couldn't even shower. Mm. Uh, I couldn't even get out of bed. It was a miracle for me to be able to get to, to the to the doctors uh, in France uh, that weekend. Um, after that, I just crashed down. Like, it was hard. It was hard. But uh, thankfully now, well, like I said, I'm in India. I'm doing this uh, intensive uh, traditional Hatha yoga training, which is hard. Like, this is not a retreat, people. This is not a retreat. <laughs> but um I'm trying to build up uh, trust again with my body. So for me to trust it and for it to trust me, because I think that also the message, you know, when you get uh, an autoimmune disease, you get angry and obviously it's not your fault. Right. But I think that on some level, it's also your body telling you there are a lot of stuff that were going on in your life or in on your mind that you didn't. Uh, you know uh, take the time to deal with and now I'm the one paying the price for it so I think that is kind of a relationship that goes both ways so my buddy and I are here trying to reconnect I suppose <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wow so you touched on like yeah. a lot of things that I want to kind of like expound on the first thing was you said you so you were originally in Brussels so you moved from Brussels to India to Paris.
1: No, I moved to no, I, yeah, I moved to, from Brussels to France. I moved back to France. I used to live in Paris, but I wasn't going to go back to Paris, so I went back to the south of France, mm-hmm. where uh, there is sun all year long and uh, with temperatures that are better fit for me because too hot or too cold now are just two extremes that I can't uh, that can't I can't deal with mm-hmm. uh, my body can't deal with that. So I moved back to France in order to make my health my priority because. As long as I was in Brussels, my priority really was my job. I would tell myself that no, my health is my priority, so I would, um, I would work half of the month and the other half I would take care of myself, stay home, etc., but more like crash down in my bed for two weeks. <laughs> Uh, and then I was like, yeah, this is not going to be my life. I know that I worked very hard to, to get there, but um, what good is it going to be if I die from it? So I decided to stop my job that I loved very much and leave behind. Well, not I didn't, I didn't leave them behind. I still see them and they visit me and I visit them, but uh, the friends I met there who really became, you know, when you're an expat, your friends became your family. So it's kind of um, complicated, but yeah, I decided that really my my health needed to be my priority, so I moved back to France, and in France, the healthcare system is organized in such a way that um, in all um, university hospitals, you will have because sarcoidosis is considered as a rare disease, mm-hmm. rare autoimmune disease. So in all um, university hospitals in France, you will have a unit that is specialized in a particular rare disease mm-hmm. my uh specialty so it's in uh, in the north of france i was really lucky for that um so i will travel back there uh twice or three times a year to get uh, checked out but uh, yeah it was better for me to be in my own uh, healthcare system and uh, have them take care of me
0: yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Were you nervous about, I guess, just traveling and not having consistent um, care? I'm not sure how the health care center. I know in other places they have like universal health care. That's kind of better than what we have here in the U.S. So over there,
1: <laughs> you guys. girl, be- there's nothing worse than what you have in the U.S., even in certain African countries is better than what's happening in the U.S. Yeah, and you're like, perfect. wow.
0: And I know for a lot of um, fibro patients, like over here, we have the uh, opi- opioid crisis, so they're yeah. really, really strict on like delivering like pain relief medications and stuff. Is that happening um, over there? Are they more, they're more lax and they're they're going to give you what you need. Mm-hmm.
1: That well, so we have uh, what we call um, pain management centers in university hospitals, and yeah, absolutely, they will definitely try and help you. I know that I. I, I was prescribed opioids, uh, but as a journalist, I read all, you know, all the, everything they put on the notice mm-hmm. and I was like, Ooh, yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. Okay. Uh, but still I was so desperate that I took half a tablet
0: mm-hmm.
1: and girl, I slept for 48 hours that was a and I was dizzy for another three days after that. So I was like, yeah, no, this is not going to work. So I did not take those meds and they were like, because yeah, I was, on a level of pain that was excruciating, but I wasn't going to become um, addicted to this medication and I wasn't going to sleep through my life. So I decided that that wasn't the answer for me. And that's when I started yoga, in fact. So I started hot yoga.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because supposedly hot sugar you don't it's it's easier for your body. So if you can take the heat, obviously it's easier on your body. For me the heat wasn't the wasn't the problem as I would feel cold in my bones. Well your mother and grandmother they go through that. So perhaps they told you about that. Like like you feel like yeah, cold in your in your bones. So being in a room that was hot and um dry hot. So it's not like humid um uh, uh, type of uh, of hut i was like yeah i love this i love this room i could live here <laughs> but then you have to do the yoga right yeah. and um so i started i will at the beginning go twice a week spend most of the time um like sitting on my mat then i will go three times a week, then four times a week. So, but I'm, so that's across eight years, right? It's not, um, um, it's not like every week I will go, I will go an extra day. It's across eight years until, uh, one fine day I woke up and I felt like, okay, I'm able to, uh, relax a little bit. Like, Relax my, my, my brain and, and, and breathe deeper and it's not hurting. Well, it's still hurting, but it's not hurting that much. So I was like, okay, so that's better. And then I felt like I also needed the, um, to see someone. So to, 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 to have the, the mental health to, to go through that. So I also went and, uh, seek out a psychologist who specialized in a, uh, <coughs> in a technique that is called the journey that was, that originated in the US, in fact. And it's about dealing with emotional blockages that uh, you can feel at cellular level uh, in your body, and some time of some type of pain. In fact, they are more related to emotional blockages than uh, actual physical pain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As uh, physical pain, most of the time, unless like you you slam the door on your on your hand, but most of the time physical pain is when really uh you haven't dealt with emotional pain either so i decided to, to do that the psychologist she was really surprised because at first people try to be a little bit like they don't want to open up they don't want and i was like no no girl i'm paying you <laughs> i want to get better so we're going to deal with that shit let's go let's do it so i suppose for me it was quite um Not easy now. It was really painful. But in a way, um, it took me 10 months to to be able to live with the pain at a level that was a a little bit more bearable than what it was at the beginning. So, yeah, I did all of these things. It took time, definitely. Uh, It took a lot of money. So, thank God, the other type of bills, <laughs> like uh, like traditional healthcare system related, are taken um, up by the state, so they take care of that. Like when you have a chronic illness in France, be it uh, diabetes, or in my case, a rare disease, or even cancer, uh, the state is going to, to, to foot the bill for you. So you don't have to pay anything that is related, not the meds, not the doctor's appointments, not the CT scans, not the x-ray that have to do with your illness.
0: You try to make me move to France. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: everyone should be living in france yeah definitely so so um, as i couldn't work all the time that really helped me mm-hmm. and that's how i was able to uh take a pot yoga and do this um uh, therapy session because that you have to pay for yourself
0: so and it's a you, little bit um, expensive so do you work now or you are still kind so
1: of- yeah So when I moved back to France two and a half years ago, uh, first I decided to uh, go back to university and I did this uh, double master's in public health and um, health psychology. Then I worked as a research engineer at the med school of the town where I'm living. And now I am kind of taking time off from that job. So I had it for 18 months. Uh, I'm taking uh, time uh, off from that job in order to try and reach the next level when it comes to my physical health. Okay. So I'm here in India, not, uh, it's not a retreat, it's definitely not a retreat, um, but I'm trying to really try and push the boundaries, the physical boundaries that I still have that were uh, thrust upon me by the, by the illness. Right. In order to, to either be able to go back to my job as a journalist, or do something else I don't know all I know is that uh, first I need to take care of that and then I will be able to to think about what comes next
0: well that's awesome and then I'd kind of have one more question from your interview you mentioned um, mourning like your old life basically so what what did that process look like for you i know you talked about the journey um technique um and i know you said that it was a lot of emotional trauma but what was it that you besides leaving like the job that you loved what was it that really you had to give up in order to get to where you are today i had to give up my old life yeah yeah
1: I had to give up my job, my apartment, my financial uh, freedom, uh, my friends, like, yeah, it was hard but it's a decision I made in, um, well, I would say, in within the time when I decided to do it, then six months later, I left Brussels, but it took me about five years before taking this uh, this uh, this decision. So, yeah, the price of where I am today was definitely my old life. Um, I, oh, sorry, <laughs> I get a little bit emotional still no, talking about fine. it, <laughs> but um, yeah, I went through all those uh, you know uh, stages of grief so when we talk about that people think it's about when you've lost someone but uh, really in the scientific literature when you see what uh, so her name was uh, Kabla ross what she's talking about is people when they are at the end of their lives so when they are in palliative care and how do they process mourning their own uh, death and mourning themselves so I went through all the stages uh, I had anger Definitely. I had bargaining. For me, bargaining was more like when my, um, when the, the internist, the professor who's an internist who's taking care of me would tell me, you know, you need to quit your job. You need to take care of yourself. This is extremely serious. I've never seen a case as severe as yours in my whole career, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, but you know, what job is not stressful? Which life is not stressful? Blah, blah, blah. And now only I understand what he meant by that. In fact, he meant, yeah, sweetie, you need to quit your job and you need to do something. Else with your life because otherwise you're going to die, right? Um, so, uh, so for me bargaining was like no, but I can do it. Uh, I can blah blah blah. So I would I would tell him that. I went through depression. Oh girl, I went through depression like I never knew it could exist. Like. What am I? What am I doing on this earth? What is my life? Why am I still, you know, fighting this thing? Is this like you have a lot of people who die of psychosis, but in the end they decide to take their own lives, right? So yeah, I went through depression. Uh, basically, I went through all the stages, and at some point I kind of reached acceptance. And that's when I was like, okay, so now your health needs to be your priority. Um, If you don't want to die by the time you're 40, so let's do this thing. What do you have to do in order to get better? And the answer was, quote unquote, quite simple. I needed to, to leave uh, Belgium and I really needed to, um, to put my actions where I was putting my money, <laughs> literally. So yeah, it cost me my old life. Absolutely. I don't regret it now. I. Gotta say, I feel perhaps a little bit lost as to what is my purpose in life. As I've been a journalist since I was seven years old, I didn't even know it was a job. Like I started this, uh, this, uh, this magazine with my with my girlfriends when I was seven. I had my first radio show when I was nine. So it was I I, I always loved reading. It was a show on which I would talk about uh, like the last book I read and the one I would recommend uh, people my age. And it's only you years later, I realized in fact it was a job, so yeah, it cost me that, it cost me what has been my purpose since I was seven years old and now hopefully the universe, God, whatever will I hope uh, bring me back on that path or I will bring myself back on that path but for now I decided that I needed to be alive to do uh, anything I wanted to do, so yeah cost me my old life it was hard I'm not going <laughs> to lie and I don't have like I don't have responsibilities like kids or husband so in a way it was easier I would say for me than other people who don't have that type of um, of freedom in their lives but I would say my advice is what is the biggest uh, hurdle for you what is the thing that really prevents you from uh, getting where you want to get um, health wise, Mm -hmm. and then do the work and get rid of it. Get rid of that thing. If like, it's going to take time, It took me five years to realize that I needed to do that five years into the illness. And during those five years, I went into, I never went into remission, but at some point I felt better, although it was fake because it was cortisone. but, um, and then I will have like big, big lows, and then at some point I was, I, was, I was sick of that, so I decided to change my whole lifestyle, food, what I was drinking, what I was thinking, the people I was uh, associated with, and that really, really, really helped me, so yeah, my whole life. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. I know. I'm pretty intense. <laughs> it is a
0: lot. Well, I know you have to get ready for your not retreat.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, does anybody have any questions really quickly before we let her go and get her a uh, meditation and yoga on <laughs> and I get back in bed?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oh, well, maybe later
0: if they have questions. I mean. Okay. Yeah, I don't think anybody asked any questions while we were talking. Yeah, like I said, it's a lot to process. (laughs) It is. Well, I just really appreciate you coming and sharing your story with us and waking up super early. (laughs) My (laughs) pleasure. My pleasure. And I know you mentioned to me before that you were going to start a food blog, so I'm still looking out for that because... (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's kind of now that I, I, when every time... Well, I suppose when we have a chronic illness, the biggest questions we have are, um, is what I'm doing um, helping me or is it uh, working against me? And when it's working for me, what do I want to do with that uh, newfound energy? Um, So far, I decided with the, the energy I have, I still need to focus on me and on my recovery. And I started to travel again. Because travel has uh, always been something I like, so yeah. So in fact, technically the the website is is on is online. <laughs> it's just that I have to write down the, the the recipes and things, and I sometimes I just don't have the energy for that. Like I would have the energy to go to my yoga class, but then when I come back, I'm not at the level where I could go to uh, work, then yoga, then come back home, and then take care of my blog. It's not. I'm I'm not there. Yet, which why which is why I'm very, very appreciative of your blog and of all the efforts and time you take to do that. Because I know <laughs> it's it is a lot, girl. Like wow, every time and I read every 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 poster you you publish and every time I'm like, What? This is, this is awesome because first of all, you're so truthful and so honest and so raw and so courageous in what you share. And plus it's not just like one or two paragraphs, right? (laughs) It's a whole thing. So I'm kind of, wow, this is, this is amazing. I'm not at that level now. But hopefully when I have the, the, the strength to do that, uh, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will try and do it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I'm trying more and more to post the recipes on my blog post on, uh, on Instagram. Okay. So I don't have yet the energy to, to have, like, Instagram and the blog at the same time
0: it is a lot I will, I will agree <laughs> it definitely is a lot some days I'm like yeah I'm just not going to post this week because I just <laughs> I can't
1: <laughs> right yeah it's, it's, it's a lot to, to share and to write those things and to, have, to take the time also to sit with yourself and to process your emotion and then to share them with the world so kudos to you really I really really appreciate what you're doing I think I saw a question um i don't know if you saw that um. yeah do you still struggle with the illness oh yeah <laughs> every hour of every day every day but i would say that now i struggle a little bit less in the sense that um my what drives me is that is this helping me or is this going to be a problem for my health and now i can identify those things uh more easily let's say so I still struggle, obviously, but um, I, um, I, I kind of—it's easier for me to identify what will become a problem and what will not be a problem. Like, let's say winter and the flu or coronavirus <laughs> or things like that.
0: Yeah, so. and you're you're talking—is that has that um? Have you guys had any cases there or in you know? France? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. In France, definitely. There are less cases here in India than there are in France. In France, I think we're up to 30 cases. So I'm really, really glad also uh, I got the hell out of there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's terrifying when you have autoimmune disease and like, people get away from me, sick people. Like I, I Exactly
1: right. <laughs>
0: like, please leave me alone. I,
1: I have I have a type of uh, sheets I make with um with essential oils the recipe also is on my Instagram and I used to shit people every time they would come <laughs> to my door like tch, 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 tch. <laughs> or when I would get on them on the metro like tch, 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 tch. and people look at me like I'm crazy and I'm like I know what I'm doing I know why I'm doing it so yeah you're good and I bought a mask definitely definitely,
0: definitely. Bought a mask.
1: All right. Well, thank you so so much. So, three chains, I am still struggling with the illness. Mm, Very much so. (laughs) I think that's everyone with a chronic illness, uh, whether we are in... So, I still have days where I can get out of bed. Like, uh, today, I just can't. Although my diet is on point, uh, what I'm thinking is on point, what I'm doing is on point, but sometimes, you know... Um, your your body, or your, the illness just wins the, the battle. As long as I win the war, I am good.
0: And we will.
1: <laughs> we will. Absolutely. <laughs> we will prevail. We will prevail. This is our home. Our body is our home. So we'll take care of that definitely thank you so much for having me morgan thank you and enjoy
0: the rest of your day have a good day (laughs) thank you thank you i will try my best (laughs) (laughs) see see you soon girl bye so yeah that was maha and her story and i'm just really really thankful that she was just so transparent her spirit was just so great um and i mean i must say that i just love her accent so much i don't know maybe it's just me um but i wish i had an accent or a a more exotic accent because i'm sure from people from other places think that i do have an accent else? anyway that's not relevant Um, Yes, thank you so much again, Maha, for telling your story. If you have fibromyalgia or even sarcoidosis, maybe you can relate to something that Maha has told you. And one of the things that I really, really pulled from, you know, my time with Maha was just how we have so much growing to do in the U.S. in terms of our healthcare system, which was really something that I wasn't aware of until... I had a chronic illness and it's just very very unfortunate and I'm hoping that in the coming years that change will come and that it can get better because it's honestly ridiculous Um, and it's just overwhelming. It's an unnecessary burden when you're already in a very very stressful situation. But I digress. Thank you guys so much for tuning in as always. if you're interested in being my next pasta might guest, please, please, please reach out. I would love to have you and connect with you. If you want to get more information on Maha, I can put you in touch with her because she does amazing things as well. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.